RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by GamePrint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One Podcast. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 417 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, June 11th, 2019, and available for download or streaming on Friday, June 14th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Robert. And I'm Anthony. That's right, Captains. We are so thrilled to have with us this episode none other than Dr. Robert Hurt. Robert, thank you so much for joining us this episode. Always a fun time being here. All right, why don't we jump right in? Doctor, tell us what we've got coming up this week. Well, this week, we're trekking out Wilson Cruz's Entertainment Weekly cover. Then we hear from Zachary Quinto about theft and Leonard Nimoy. Quentin Tarantino wants an R-rated Star Trek. And the late Anton Yelchin is remembered. In Star Trek Online gaming news, the weekend event store is getting a closeout sale, and an old Star Trek card game is still going strong. Of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we will open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Now, Captains, before we move forward, we do need to reiterate a very important announcement that we made last week. As of this episode, we are recording live on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, right before Mission Log Live starts their broadcast at 10 p.m. Eastern. So if you haven't already watched this live, we welcome you to do so. It is a much different experience than what you've come to expect on the Friday shows. So we welcome our new viewers and a big thanks to our regulars who have joined us on our new time slot. And if you haven't thought to, we encourage you to open hailing frequencies and reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. You can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, before we move forward, we do need to take a moment to thank our patrons, listeners like you who offer a financial contribution to the ongoing production of this show. With their support, we can continue to upgrade our tools, like the software that we use to edit this show, or equipment that we may use on events like Star Trek Las Vegas, which is coming up in just a few weeks. We understand that a financial contribution may not be possible, but there are other ways that you can help the show. We're looking for volunteers to join the production. Specifically, we're looking for audio editors to help clean up a segment or two. We currently have a great team working hard each week, but many hands make light work. Shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com with audio editor in the subject line. And if you are interested in becoming a patron, we do offer some pretty cool perks, including an unedited, unscripted second podcast that we call After Hours. For more information on how to become a Patreon supporter, visit us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one podcast. Now let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Join places. 
I don't know. Then let's trek it out. On June 28, 1969, nine New York City police officers raided the Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village. The establishment, it was claimed, was operating without a liquor license, and Stonewall employees were arrested. The bar was cleared, and some of the patrons were taken into custody for, quote, not wearing at least three articles of gender-appropriate clothing, end quote. The bar was a meeting place for gay men, lesbians, and transgender people, and the New York City Police Department had conducted several raids on similar establishments over a short period of time. The men and women who had been thrown from the Stonewall Inn did not scatter as had so often been the case. This time, the people rioted. Over the course of five days, the crowd outside the Stonewall helped to raise awareness of the discrimination and harassment of the LGBTQ community and later served as a symbol of resistance for the oppressed. To commemorate the Stonewall Riot's 50th anniversary, Entertainment Weekly recruited six of Hollywood's biggest LGBTQ stars to grace its cover, one of which being Star Trek's Wilson Cruz. Cruz sat down with his fellow cover models and Entertainment Weekly to talk about being part of the LGBTQ community. Wilson told Entertainment Weekly, quote, I think it's important, in light of recent progress, to remember how we got here and how there was a time when this wasn't possible that you couldn't walk down the street in major cities holding your partner's hand and being your entire self, end quote. Cruz also tweeted a photo of his cover saying, quote, This one goes out to every young LGBTQ kid out there who has any doubt whatsoever that because of who or what they are or how they love, they can't achieve their dreams. Si se puede, mi amor. Si se puede. Thank you, Entertainment Weekly, for the honor of gracing your hashtag pride issue, end quote. For a link to the Entertainment Weekly articles, Wilson's tweet, and for more information on the Stonewall Riots, check out the show notes. I mean, this is great on so many levels, and I think it speaks to many of us on many different levels. One, we are celebrating Pride Month, and it's being celebrated all around the United States of America. For me personally, not just as an ally for the LGBTQ community, he also represents me as a Latino. And in Star Trek... And for me, it, it was so refreshing to see a Latino character be Latino. And then on top of that, also push it even farther forward and farther into what, what should be a welcoming society for him to have been in an openly gay relationship in Star Trek. It was, fanta it was fantastic for me. I mean, speaking from personal experiences, someone who actually came out pretty late in life. I, I, it was my early 30s when I finally could be honest with myself and and come out that this is why representation is so incredibly important in shows especially shows like star trek where part of the idea is to put forward our best possible selves and uh, look look forward if there had been more role models more openly gay characters in shows and media that i had gone to you know i might not have had to wait till my my early 30s before I could actually be honest with myself who I was and where I was coming from. So, so I just think it's so important that, that people like um, Wilson Gruz are, are standing up for the community and, and reminding us that, that while we've made an incredible amount of progress over the last 50 years, there is so much at stake. That is, and so much still coming into threat. The the, the fight's never over for for you know equality and for safety and for being who we are. So I, I'm really really proud that that Wilson Cruz is is part of this message going forward in Star Trek. And he's in a, he's in a unique position 
being that he is also Latino and part of the LGBTQ community. Because for many, 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 many people in the Latino community outside, within and outside of the United States, being gay is still, still heavily shunned upon. You know, there are battles still going on in South America and in, in the Caribbean islands for people to come out and be comfortable coming out. Is it better? Perhaps. But Wilson Cruz is in a unique position to speak on so many levels and has a platform that reaches out. And it's great that he's using that platform to speak out and to represent, to represent so many people. And I think this ties in wonderfully with Star Trek and, you know, the idic infinite diversity in infinite combinations. And as somebody who, you know, is not a member of a minority or um, and who is you know, straight, it's it's wonderful to see these events from the past that, you know, that we should be aware of and we should be talking about to inform our future. And I think that, you know, it also adds texture to the world around us. And it's and and for my children to be able to watch shows that are about everybody. I mean, as far as Star Trek goes, if, if we can accept a Klingon with a turtle on his forehead falling in love with a trill that's got a worm in her belly and planning on having kids, it's, you know, you should be able to love whoever you want to, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. This week, the Kelvin Timeline's Mr. Spock, Zachary Quinto, sat down with late-night comedian Jimmy Kimmel, his newest series, Nosferatu, and, of course, Star Trek. Jimmy Kimmel recalled that Quinto hadn't been on the show since 2009 when he was there to promote J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. In that last appearance, the host suggested Quinto swipe Spock's ears as a souvenir, and Quinto admitted he took Kimmel's advice. After joking a bit about the prosthetics, Quinto said, I don't keep a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm very, like, I get rid of stuff. I like to declutter all the time, but I do feel like this is such an experience that I, you know, it's been such a formative part of my life and my career that I want something yes. that I can look back on. Uh, and I figured the ears were something I could look back on. Quinto also spoke about In Search Of and his relationship with the late Leonard Nimoy. I loved that guy so much. We were so close and always, you know, talked about not just the role and the experience that we shared in Star Trek, but life and our curiosity. And he was endlessly curious to the end of his life. And so it was very bright guy, yes, super yes. intelligent yeah. and um, and really engaged. And, you know, and so I felt like it was a way to honor him and stay connected to him. For a link to the interview, check out the show notes. I have to say I'm old enough to have actually been someone who watched the original In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy, partly because I was excited that, you know, the, the guy who played Spock was doing a show about weird and mysterious phenomena. And I was probably young enough that I wasn't as skeptical about the things that I am now. But I, I really should check out the Quinto version of In Search Of. I'm kind of curious to see what they've done to update Wait, it. Wait, what is this? What is In Search uh, Of? So In Search Of, it was um, like a two or three season show in the 70s, like the early 70s. And I still remember it had this just awesome synth pop kind of opening <laughs> that I, I loved the opening music. And it was basically a half hour show of Leonard Nimoy doing a sort of quasi documentary on weird, unexplained events. So, you know, it'd be Bigfoot, or Loch Ness Monster, UFOs, ghosts, whatever. It was probably like way too sensational for its own good, and I was probably young enough to be more easily influenced by it than I would be now. But I really, I, I watched the whole thing. I, I ate that up as a kid. So it's it is really cool seeing Zachary kind of 
picking up with uh, uh, Leonard's tradition and, and to you know sort of honor him by doing something that is uh, uh, inspired by that original project that Nimoy had done so long Didn't ago. Jonathan Frakes do something similar? Did he have some kind of show I don't on? Remember? Yes. I don't know the Hallmark Channel or something where explain the unexplained. Well, that brings us to our first community question this week. If you were on the set of any Star Trek series, what would you take? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO417 or by replying to our social media posts asking this very same community question. Talking to Empire about his upcoming film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, director Quentin Tarantino made mention of another project he's got cooking, Star Trek. When asked about his involvement on the project, Tarantino replied, quote, There's a script that exists for it now. I need to weigh in on it, but haven't been able to do that yet. End quote. Tarantino also confirmed his intended film rating, saying, quote, Oh yeah, it's an R-rated movie. If I do it, it'll be R-rated. End quote. The Empire article is available to subscribers now and will hit newsstands later this week. This does not make me feel good about the next Star Trek movie. I don't know uh, where you guys come in on this, but uh, do we really need a Star Trek movie with more blood and more swearing as a way of defining Star Trek for moving forward? (laughs) So, you know, to that argument, Dr. Hurt, what is Star (laughs) Trek, right? Like, like, it, it becomes the question of, can anybody answer definitively what Star Trek is after 60 years, right? Because, like, uh, did you get a chance to see the DS9 documentary? Uh, not yet, actually. Uh, I missed the uh, the Fathom events, but... I think that one of the greatest takeaways that I had with that documentary was the fact that DS9 deviated quite a bit to what would be considered, quote-unquote, Star Trek, right? So, for you, right, it's you know no absolutely not no tarantino is what i is what i understand but for me i happen to like quentin tarantino's films and i think he's a he's a great filmmaker so i would i would go on that ride i would pay money to to ride that roller coaster just because it's tarantino and it's star trek and like great cool will it be good Mm, probably not or at least not the way we understand star trek to be what makes me tired of this headline is come on stop talking about it and just like they're, they're just feeding some kind of promotional marketing fire here and you just either do it or don't and stop talking about it ahead of a star trek 2009 10th anniversary screening the film star chris pine made an appearance at hollywood forever cemetery the purpose to introduce the official trailer of a documentary that would highlight co-star Anton Yelchin's life. Love and Tasha documents the life of Yelchin, who passed away in 2016 at the age of 27, and features interviews with several of Yelchin's Star Trek co-stars, including Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, and J.J. Abrams. At the trailer's release, Pine told the crowd, quote, Obviously, we're here for Anton. He was one of my dear friends, and I felt like I was only getting a chance to know him better when he passed. The film is incredible, and I think it'll show you all different sides of the guy that I knew. This curious, fascinating, complex, strange little dude. End quote. For a link to the Variety article, which contains the trailer, check out the show notes. This Week in Trek History... This week in Star Trek history, we go back to the year 1989 to find out what does God need with a starship? 
On June 9, 1989, Star Trek V The Final Frontier premiered. The follow-up to the hugely popular Voyage Home, The Final Frontier was a financial and critical disappointment, which nearly ended Star Trek's original series movie run. William Shatner made his directorial debut and had a hand in crafting the story. But his inexperience was magnified by budget constraints and behind-the-scenes pitfalls, including a writer's strike. Star Trek's Sulu, George Takei, originally turned down the opportunity to reprise his role. Citing his personal feelings about the would-be director, Takei was ultimately convinced to do the film by William Shatner himself. Takei later praised the actor-director, saying, quote, Despite our sometimes strained personal history, I found working with Bill as a director to be surprisingly pleasant, end quote. I actually just recently watched Star Trek V The Final Frontier, and it's about as garbage as I remember. I actually quite enjoy Star Trek V The Final Frontier the, for several reasons. Number one, I I rather like the, the personal stories with Spock, McCoy, and Kirk. I, I, I think... You know, the opening scene where they're at the campfire is something we didn't really get since Star Trek Two because Spock was so like out of joint for for three movies or two movies. And I really liked coming back as friendships together and then throwing in the whole crazy cyborg half brother story was was great. And then having to fight God at the end of the movie was fantastic. And it has one of the funniest lines in all of Star Trek history when Kirk is about to hug Spock on the Klingon bridge and Spock simply says, not in front of the Klingons. Well, I, I have pretty vivid memories being in grad school and going to see Star Trek V, you know, opening show in Westwood, uh, the the big place to see movies back at that point. And we were, I had, we must have had like 20 people there in costume. And the actress who played the, uh, the big muscular Klingon was up in the balcony and she was flexing her muscles for us before the movie started. It was uh, very crazy. Then we watched the movie. Then we walked out and there were news cameras <laughs> trying to catch the fan reactions and they thrust a mic in front of me in front of a TV and said what did you think of the movie and I just remember my brain racing to think what can I possibly say that doesn't compromise my integrity that won't have me going on record as a hating Star Trek <laughs> and I managed to say I liked the chemistry between the three main characters oh my god please <laughs> we were tell all me a little disappointed all right somebody is going we have a challenge for the community youtube.com Star Trek Final Frontier yes. fan reaction <laughs> video enter <laughs> I already started yes, typing that it. That is a challenge. That is our community challenge this week. Find find <laughs> Dr. Robert Hurt in 1989 I'm... at the theater in Westwood at the local news. Whoever, or maybe it wasn't local. Maybe it was national. Who knows? Yeah, it was local news. It was one of the LA local news well, stations. Go. I don't remember which there one. There is a challenge now, <laughs> captains, to find Dr. Hurt going on the air, saying what he just said. I that that is the challenge. I, I will agree. I, you know, I, I, I'll say this about the films, the, the TOS films, is that they definitely gave more breathing room to the character chemistry that you didn't necessarily get in the 60s. When I think back to the chemistry and the dialogue and the tit-a-tat that they all shared, a lot of that comes from the films. And seldom do I think back on the original series for that rapport, for that chemistry. It happened in the films. 
including Star Trek V. So I'll give you that. Well, my other indirect connection with Star Trek V is that the um, the center I work at called IPAC. Um, it's an acronym. It used to be an acronym. We don't use this acronym anymore. We used to be the Infrared Processing Analysis Center. And um, William Shatner and some of his production team actually visited IPAC when they were in production on Star Trek V to get science consulting. And the director of IPAC was a- is actually credited as the science advisor. And when he, he uh, stepped down from his directorship position, I brought in my copy of Star Trek V and I ran that part of the credits as part of a roast. And all we, he just looked at us sheepishly at the end and said, well, it was better after we advised them because originally they were going to take the Enterprise to the center of the universe to find God, and we talked him down to the center of the galaxy. So, there you go. (laughs) Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now, let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Captains, you are already aware that Priority One has teamed up with Mixed Dimensions to help bring you a discount so that you can print your very own customized Starship from Star Trek Online. Dr. Hurt, you have actually invested some money into Game Print yourself, haven't you? What what has been your experience ordering a customized Starship from Mixed Dimensions? Well, you know, as anyone who knows me knows, I am I am totally a ship guy. I I love my starships. I love my Star Trek starships. I love them from all sorts of franchises. But the chance to get um, a Star Trek Online original designs is actually really cool for me. And I I have to say, I jumped in very early in the game print waters when they were doing the original uh, uh, painted, hand-painted 3D uh, prints. And I got my own customized version of the Odyssey, where I got uh, mostly upgrades when they put the Tier 6 designs out, but I kept the most lovely uh, original release back-swept nacelle pylons, uh, because, you know, for me, that was like the perfect combination of, of uh, features, and um, the the hand-painting was, was truly spectacular, and then... Um, when I was waiting for that, they actually sent me one of their uh, custom small versions of the um, the Pathfinder. Uh, they were a little delayed on some of the painted ones, so they sent like the really small versions of the Pathfinder that had the colors on it, and it looks so good. I've now actually put in a couple more orders, and I have my own version of the uh, Romulan uh, multi-mission science vessel that is the blend of Romulan and Vulcan technologies, and I just loved the two sets of design elements that came together in that design in Star Trek Online. And then, of course, I picked out like my favorite um, colors pattern that I really like to get just the right mix of uh, uh, green plus the offset panels I like. So it was really cool for me to really be able to sit there and pick and choose and get all the elements I wanted and then put just the paint scheme I wanted on it and get that version of it. So it's very, very fun. Now, this isn't the first time that fans of the Star Trek franchise could get a model of a ship or kit bash, but GamePrint offers a very unique opportunity for you, right? As a, as a fan of starships, as somebody who loves designing and flying starships in Star Trek Online, and just as a fan of Star Trek alone, what differentiates GamePrint for you when compared to, you know, buying a ship right out of the box? Well. The interesting thing about a 3D printed ship is because it really comes out in one process. It doesn't have any of the joint lines or seam lines that you get 
with anything else that actually has to be assembled. You know, I build a lot of model kits, and when I build a model kit, it's very time-consuming because I have to putty in all the cracks to get everything smooth, and the painting can be incredibly laborious, especially if there are interesting patterns on it. So what I actually really love about the 3D ships is you get something that really is completely seamless and smooth. There are no gaps or spaces, no rivet holes if it's like a metal ship that has to have things holding it together. And then, of course, I get tempted to uh, look at things that have, you know, the really elaborate paint schemes because, you know, that is a complete messy deal to have to do on your own. So I believe I have uh, one or two models I'm working on now that the <laughs> painting is going to be uh, like like adding gray hairs all down the, my head. So uh, but before I'm done with those. So, Captains, we want to remind you that with our partnership with GamePrint, you can save 20% off of any ship at any size, completely customizable, like Dr. Robert Hurd was explaining. Select your paint job, select your starship scheme, you design it, you print it through Star Trek Online. And even if you don't play Star Trek Online, you can visit GamePrint.net and explore their extensive library of ships ships that other players other fans have already uploaded so that you can print now the added benefit of that is that you don't have to settle on that person's naming scheme or registry you can actually name the ship whatever you want and have that name printed on the whole of the ship along with your custom registry number from fore to aft you can actually design and create your customized starship I have, a, I have a bit of a power user tip for ordering now that I've actually put a couple orders in myself. You know, to get the, the, the best print out, I would remind you that, of course, in Star Trek Online, you see ships lit in a lot of different ways and a lot of different brightness levels. So a lot of times um, any kind of printing process comes out a little darker than you might expect when you're just looking at things bright on screen. So if you're really wanting to bring out, you know, the details, I would actually say... Uh, Make your customizations trend a little on the lighter side, because that way, if it ends up the you know the inkjet process ends up being a little darker, then you'll still see all of the detail. With options starting at just $19.99 for a four-inch color print and the reintroduction of their hand-painted models, there's no reason why you shouldn't add a unique starship to your collection, customized just for you. As we mentioned before, when you use code Priority20 at checkout, you'll save 20% on your order. So, don't let deciding on which ship holds you back from 3D printing a new fleet of ships for you to display proudly in your home, office, or wherever you showcase your Star Trek memorabilia. Remember, that's code PRIORITY20 at checkout, and save 20% off of your very own customized Starship. Just visit their newly designed website and browse through the library, or upload your very own ship from within the ship tailor in Star Trek Online. Visit GamePrint.net and start building your fleet today. Last week, Cryptic announced changes to special events and the relocation of the associated prizes to the Phoenix Prize Packs. Many players still had weekend event vouchers left in their inventory, but not enough to purchase any more items. Well, starting this weekend on PC until August 1st, all items in the weekend event store will be discounted to a single voucher per item. That's right. Now is the time to get those missing set pieces or final items from the weekend event store. After August 1st, you will still be able to spend weekend vouchers on Phoenix prize packs. So 
if you already have all of the weekend items and have a supply of vouchers, you get a little extra mileage out of those. Captains on console will also be able to take advantage of these discounts starting August 1st. Uh, I'm sorry. So I'm just, I'm how, how is this different from last week's announcement with the, the events? Last week, they announced that all of the weekend events and other special events will be using the featured TFO commendations moving forward as currency and running projects for prizes or purchasing stuff. Last week, we all got free stuff. Right, but that wasn't for the weekend events. The projects completed. The weekend event store is something different. If you played Sompak Arena or Kobayashi Maru, every time you played it, you got a weekend event store voucher. You could get a maximum of four or five per weekend because they only ran it for the weekend. Then you use those vouchers, you you actually cl- right-click and use, and it opened up the weekend event store, which gave you the prolonged engagement phaser, the prolonged engagement torpedo, the prolonged engagement console, the Sompec um, gloves, the Sompec shield. Those were purchasable for three vouchers each. Now, those all of those items are being reduced to one voucher each. So if you have one or two or a handful of vouchers and you were concerned that you wouldn't be able to purchase all of the items that you hadn't gotten a chance to purchase yet, you can now do that for one voucher each. However, the thing that kind of bothers me about this is that last week they made the announcement that there were going to be no more weekend events and so you could no longer accumulate weekend vouchers. I know for a fact that some players immediately went and however many vouchers they had, they opened the store and they purchased what items they could. Our friend Skiffy went and purchased, he could only purchase one item because he didn't have enough vouchers to purchase the other item he hadn't had. So he spent three vouchers immediately. Then less than a week later, they announced that they're reducing all of the items in the store to one voucher after people already spent the regular price over the last four or five days. How is that different from buying a set of keys from the C-Store at full price when then Saturday they discount? Because keys will always be available from the C-Store. You'll never be able to get the vouchers to buy those to buy those items from the store again. When you purchase those items, they are account-wide unlocks. Moving forward from the Phoenix Prize Store, they presumably, they haven't announced it either way, but everything else from the Phoenix Prize Packs are character-bound, not account-wide unlocked. You're just getting a lot less value moving forward in the future. And then I'm sure what happened was they made the announcement, people raised some concerns, so they decide then after the fact, they decided, oh, well, well, maybe we can just discount them. I mean, I'd like to think that that's how it happened. I just think it's a little bit of a disservice to the players to announce that you're taking something away in the future. They all rush out and spend all of their hard-earned vouchers And then a few days later, you say, oh, by the way, we're going to reduce everything in cost. So those people who did participate in all those events and did work hard to get those vouchers can actually complete the sets. Instead, they purchased them at the full price. And now they might not be able to get the rest of the stuff or they might be able to. I just it's it's kind of weird timing the way that they did it. And I think it's going to be frustrating to a a lot of players. Basically, it's the it's what Anthony just pointed out, that if someone went and just spent their last three tokens they could have gotten three unlocks instead of one and which is all they get now and the people who didn't run out and spend it will now get the three unlocks or the two or whatever i mean it's good that they are at least giving you a uh, an opportunity to get something out of those accrued tokens that you've been sitting on but yeah just being very uneven about how they're handling it since obviously the last thing they did was they just deleted all of the tokens for the uh, three week events 
and then closed out and gave you the awards if you'd started some of the process. It's kind of the same deal. A lot of people may have already ditched those projects thinking I'll never be able to finish those. And then all of a sudden, if you'd kept them, you got rewards for it. And if you had given up on that a while ago, then you wouldn't get the awards. So there's no perfect solution. They're just trying to at least give the people who still have a little something left a bump for it. But yeah, it makes other people feel cheated. So here's my question then. Okay. So they obviously made a marketing mistake here. They announced that those vouchers, those tokens were going away and then after several days said oh well for those of you that still have the vouchers we're going to discount the store which leaves people who spent those vouchers already cheated right they were not cheated but you know they they didn't get they didn't get their money's worth the way people would now what can cryptic do now to remedy this this is kind of like the whole i I, this reminds me of what happened with apple and that thousand dollar stand right it's it's some of the wording here so this is just bad timing what can cryptic do for, for those players who spent the three vouchers on one item instead of waiting to spend three vouchers on three items i don't know is there's anything they can do i mean there's no way that they're going to go back and retroactively uh change any of that um I mean, I personally have, I think, I think what it comes down to is that there is, you know, and I'm not, I, I, I want to be clear, I'm not putting any blame on anybody specifically. And I would, I, and I, I, you know, they all work very hard and they, they do what they can. And, and, uh, and, you know, it's a very complex game and a very, you know, and, you know, managing a community and, and managing communications, you know, to everybody through different marketing teams and everything is very complicated. But I feel like there are several instances of communication breakdowns between the creative team and the players. Looking back on the, the TFO um, that was reskinned for Discovery and and when it you know when it shipped to players everybody was like this is just a reskin of a different TFO and then you know after the fact the developers were like oh well we never meant to hide that fact that was always the case now i'm not saying that the developers are to blame because there's a lot of people involved in how you communicate to the players the other thing is that i have personally lost out on anniversary ships because i was unaware that you could use uh, following years event vouchers on previous year projects so i've i've started every single anniversary uh, event project since the game began but there was a certain you know a period of three or four years where i didn't want to grind out all of those missions so i just left the projects in the queue well, uh, two years ago, I went through and cleaned them all out. And then after the fact, I found out that you can use, you know, n- current year vouchers to finish off old projects. And I'm, I'm just wondering why that was never communicated uh, to the players. So I, I feel like there's just several instances. There's a pattern of some of these things that they that they're trying to mitigate the frustration of players. They just kind of miss the mark a little bit. And um, so I think the only thing they can do moving forward is just be cognizant of that and try to avoid that in the future. I mean, I think part of the problem is it's kind of deeply rooted in the MMO gaming culture, if you will, that there is no real documentation for a game like this and that the documentation is notes that are scrolled away in patch notes or things that someone said on Twitter 
Right. There isn't a place that you can just go and find what's the information you need and all these things. I mean, there's the, the wiki, but, you know, that that isn't always complete and that doesn't necessarily incorporate every single comment that's ever made in a patch note. You know, there is no really consistent library that's searchable. This is where you go to find out how things work in the game. And moreover, when things are done as patches and mitigations, how would you even document that in a way that everyone gets the word? I, I, I don't know. I don't think... I think it's kind of a lose-lose scenario in some sense, right? It's, you're always going to piss somebody off on it. And, but I'm d- not sure I really see the workaround for it either. Well, on that cheery note. <laughs> Operation Repost recently launched on console, and many captains are wondering, Dude, where's my free Tier 6 ship tokens? Well, in a 10 Forward Weekly live stream from June 5th, Mike Ambassador Kale Fadum addressed that very issue. Not only is the special promotion not coming to consoles anytime soon, if and when it does, it may not even be a free tier six ship. So stand by. It's unfortunate that both of these stories are are in the same week because this is another example of it was not clearly communicated that this promotion, this free tier six ship program that we've been seeing on the PC and that everybody's so excited about was not coming to console. And I actually was surprised when I was watching the 10 forward stream last week and some of the console players brought it up and, you know, thankfully Mike Fatum, you know, addressed it and, and talked about it. And he, he basically said without saying literally what he said is, well, people speculate this is the reason. And because I'm mentioning it, you can speculate. So it's, it's as though they there's certain things that what they're selling in the in the store on the consoles they can't necessarily give away as free prizes so that program just doesn't exist at all in any form on the console. And I think a lot of players are, are disappointed about that. And I, I mean, I, I want to play on the console more and more, and I do play occasionally, but I assumed that that program was coming and I actually was getting ready to put in the hours on the console just so I could get a, a tier six ship for my, my console uh, character. And now I've, I found out that's not even a thing. And there's, there's, you know, he had mentioned other possibilities that they might do. Like maybe it, it's a, a free Epic Phoenix prize token. So you can get one of the, you know, Epic prize ships from the Phoenix pack. But again, it's, it's a situation where why was this not clearly communicated? And if it was, why was it not put on the blogs, on the news pages, on their website? And now for upcoming events on PC. Captains will gain double the amount of experience points and expertise this weekend until Monday, June 17th. An R&D weekend is scheduled from June 20th to the 24th. And in July, you can expect a Tholian Red Alert weekend, a Bonus Marks weekend, and an Alachi Red Alert weekend. For console captains, from now until Monday, June 17th, captains on console can earn 50% more commendation XP when sending those hardworking duty officers on missions. Zen Store duty officer packs will grant an additional green quality doff during this event, and don't forget to participate in the Academy Scanning event to earn yourself even more duty officers. And to kick off the Junior Officer Weekend, the Infinity Duty Officer promo has returned. From now until Monday, not only can you save 20% on duty officers, packs in the Zen store, but you will also receive either 10 low buy crystals or a special tier six requisition pack. Check out the show notes for details and a list of the ships available from the requisition pack. This Saturday, the 15th of June, the Priority One Armada is continuing its celebration of its sixth year anniversary. On the 15th, we are bringing back an old but popular event 
called Shark Tank. This event will see members jump into their small craft in teams of five to take on one tier six starship. Kills don't matter in this event. The goal is to do as much damage and healing as possible. We have more than 655 million energy credits and prizes up for grabs just for this one event. In an effort to lend a hand to new players, or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's our weekly top tip. As the featured TFO commendations have now become the standard project currency for featured TFOs and future special events, I wanted to highlight something that I've been doing and that you might also find useful. Because the featured TFO commendations are per character and not per account, you can run the featured TFO on all of your characters and save up the commendations. This is especially useful for quick TFOs such as the current Crystalline Cataclysm. If you have more than one character, you can quickly run Crystalline Cataclysm. Once you've run it on one of your characters 14 times, you can then run the project to unlock the current reward for your account. Assuming that you've run it at least 14 times on your other characters, you now have enough commendations for the next featured reward. So, if you don't have the time to run the next one, or it's not as quick as Crystalline Cataclysm, you've already got enough to get your new reward. Even if you don't have any alt characters, you can still save any additional commendations after the 14 needed for the current project. And don't forget, if you are really short on time and have the cash, you can also pick up additional commendations in the Zen Store, and those usually come with an extra bonus. In other gaming news... For those of you who may have forgotten or never knew, the Star Trek IP was a trailblazer in one aspect of gaming. The Star Trek customizable card game was published by Decipher Incorporated and originally launched in 1994, just one year after the mega popular Magic the Gathering card game. Customizable card games or trading card games are all about collecting sets of cards and then building a custom deck to play in a game. When the game first released, Trekkies could build a Federation deck, a Klingon deck, or a Romulan deck. Combining your favorite personnel, starships, events, and equipment to travel along the space line, attempting missions, overcoming dilemmas, and hopefully scoring enough points to emerge victorious. After almost 40 total expansion sets, and even a second edition released in 2002, the game came to an abrupt halt in 2007 after some internal conflicts and legal battles amongst the company's executives. Shortly thereafter, a group of players came together to form the Continuing Committee, a nonprofit organization charged with keeping the game alive, designing new cards, and even supporting organized play. After 12 years, the continuing committee not only has kept the game going, but also improved the gameplay experience. On June 21st, they will release their 38th digital expansion set, named after the original TOS pilot, the Cage. This expansion set features missions, dilemmas, personnel, equipment, and more from the early days of Star Trek, including some characters never seen in the card game before. For more information about the games, check out the show notes. Have either of you ever played the original Star Trek customizable card game? No, I, I avoided CCGs like the plague for many, many <laughs> years. <laughs> I recognize cardboard crack when I see it for what it is. Well, luckily, the game now is uh, all virtual and digital sets, so it's all print and play. You don't have to spend any money. Uh, you just print off the cards. You, you you put them in sleeves with with original cards, like the old cards that you can get super cheap now, uh, and and build a deck that way. In fact, I believe every single card that they ever physically printed has been redone as a virtual card that you can download and print in a PDF format. 
I did actually play the digital mobile um, Star Trek card game that was released last fall winter. Uh, I know you guys had Holly on talking about that, but the one that the one that got pulled for some mysterious licensing reasons eventually even i have to say that was actually a pretty cool game that was actually very well designed it was uh, uh but I, I will say it was actually nice having a digital version where it was keeping track of all the points and numbers for me and because i know the uh the ccgs can get very uh number heavy <laughs> like trying to add up all your bonuses and points and stacks and yeah absolutely every character in this game has three attributes that you have to add up and you know, you, you try to get them bonuses to overcome the dilemmas and then to solve the missions. But um, um, it's really fun. And there's two versions. You actually might like the second edition. It's much more streamlined and um, less complicated. So it's definitely worth checking out if anybody uh, has the time or enjoys uh, tabletop games, especially customizable card games. But that does bring us to our next community question this week. Did you ever play the Star Trek customizable card game? Are there any old Star Trek tabletop or video games that you still play? That's it for this week in gaming news. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages, including one from a caller during our live broadcast on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hello, we have a caller. Who is this? Hi, long-time listener, first-time caller. (laughs) First-time ever caller. Hello, caller. Please tell us your name. Uh, My name is Bob Smith. Oh, hello, Bob. You sound an awful lot like a, a, a person I used to know, a person by the name of James Lee. That's total nonsense. That guy's far too handsome and tall. <laughs> James, I have to say it's it's amazing to hear your voice again, brother. It's been eight years since we first took over here at Priority One Podcast. How have you been? Uh, I am doing fantastic. It's great to hear you guys, too. I uh, flipped through the Facebook there and caught that you guys were live and just uh, couldn't resist the urge to pop in and make myself uh, a nuisance. Well, th- you know what? Why don't you help us by answering, uh, giving us your opinion on our first our community question for this week. Do you think that Deep Space Nine went further than any other Star Trek series in dealing with hot button issues? I do, actually. Uh, Deep Space Nine was very good at being one of the first Star Trek to actually have a space exploration show where they didn't explore, explore space. So, you know, they stayed on a space station. I thought that was very, like, you know, kind of hot button and, like, very topical. So, yeah, definitely. Anthony, Robert? I, uh, I certainly do think that DS9 created a, an interesting new space to tell very Star Trek stories, but in a way that hadn't been done before. I think particularly early in Next Generation, it suffered a, an issue where you know, Roddenberry really wanted to tell these stories of a, of a utopia that had no conflict. And it's really hard to then do good storytelling. But by in DS9, to basically take our, our Federation people, who are the role models, but put them next to people who haven't bought into it, I think it gave a really interesting opportunity to show the, the winning over the hearts and minds of people who aren't born to the philosophy. And in that sense, I feel like a lot of times when they hit the issues in DS9, they could really be more substantive in how they treated it than than a lot of than Star Trek really had been up to that point. Oh, it's a way better answer than mine. Did you not get the check in the mail? You're supposed to make me look good <laughs> <it> here. <laughs> 
Well, James, listen, man, it's been great uh, hearing from you. What is, what's your Star Trek life nowadays, man? Are you still playing Star Trek Online? I do play Star Trek Online, uh, not as often as I used to because I'm also involved in Atlas pretty heavily right now, Pirate, Yeehaw. But uh, yeah, I do play Star Trek Online. I am watching Star Trek Discovery still and all that. And uh, I was hoping we would get the uh, Discovery podcast going back up. Is that is that a thing or is that gone? Oh no, we've been doing yeah no, we've been doing after hours a little bit, uh, you know, from here and there. I'll have to reach out to you so you can join us for the discussion. Absolutely, I'd love that. Well, James, listen, man, it's been great hearing from you, man. Thank you so much for for giving us a call and being our first caller here on the live show. That's the least I can do for being such a bad friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James, we'll talk to you later. All right, you guys, take care. From Facebook, Robert Sterick writes. Although many issues remain, the times were different when TOS aired. I believe both shows, relatively speaking, handled hot-button issues equally, though some were different. Although, with the recent development of racial hatred, I would say it is time for Star Trek to revisit this in a much stronger manner. I do not disagree. Sadly, I don't think racial hatred can be called a recent development. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, I think perhaps Robert meant to say that it is a... It's had a, a recent emboldening uh, over the last uh, over the last few years, few years especially, where where there is there are clearly people coming out of the shadows, emboldened to spread that hatred. You know, it's it's a effect of really how one defines where you draw the circle of of you know. Y- your people versus other people, right? And when when that circle gets drawn very, very close in, that's where racial hatreds and and you know all sorts of hatreds emerge. And I guess that was one thing that Star Trek always did try to do was show uh, show examples of pushing that circle very far out to try to draw that circle around people even who were traditional enemies. And uh, those metaphors are the the things that we use to you know change hearts and minds. I think. On PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell wrote in, Certainly DS9 had more notable moments and characters that challenged, vaunted Federation ideals, as well as parallel aspects of our own society. The existence of Section 31, for example. Questions what it really takes to protect a free and just society. And outsider characters like Quark, Odo, Kira, and Garrick provide an interesting contrast to the other characters who are all in on the quote, Federation dream, unquote. But I think that each of the Star Trek shows had at least a few moments where they shine a light on some issues in our society that deserve attention. From Facebook, Michael Wetchen writes, DS9 had a better layout for doing that kind of social commentary than TNG or Voyager, but they rarely used it. There are a couple of notable episodes, but while it felt more poignant at the time, in hindsight, they didn't really go much further in exploring hot-button issues than TNG. Even the Bell Riot two-parter, where Ben, Julian, and Jadzia go back in time, was only accidentally topical. They did tackle LGBT and identity issues much better, though, and I'm not just talking about the Dax romances stuff. I admit, I'm actually trying to think what he's referring to in DS9 in terms of dealing with LGBT issues, because I I really felt that was something that Star Trek just steered very widely around through the 80s and the 90s. As a matter of fact, in the DS9 documentary, spoiler alert, um, one of Ira Stephen Bear's points of I don't know. I don't know. I would. I don't know if I would go far as to call it regret. Is to suggest that he wishes he would have done more. That he would have explored more with uh, 
sexuality, whether specifically same-sex sexuality, particularly with Garrick and, and Bashir. Oh, no, that would have been a couple. That would have been a couple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as Iris Stephen Bear is concerned, they literally did not check that box. He feels that they did not, uh, they do not deserve the credit for for tackling those issues. Yeah, I mean, clearly with the Jadzia episode dealing with their previous lover, they they skirted around it. But again, it was it was so distanced from the real issue because they had the established hetero relationship in their past that, that I feel like it was even that was way on the outer fringes of even pretending to deal with it directly. Our second community question for episode 416 was, what do you think about the changes to special events and future featured TFOs? From Facebook, Michael Wetjen writes in again and says, Stowe just keeps improving. The streamlining of events to special TFOs with a single currency and selling the TFO commendation boost packs is fantastic for people with limited time, like me, or more available cash. And that's just one change. Yeah, I do like the option to be able to purchase the commendations in the Zen store in case you can't, you know, finish off that project by grinding it out. So I I like that that's where they're allowing us to sort of uh, pay for progress. I mean, it it makes sense for the game to recognize there are a lot of different currencies and and it's you know, very deeply rooted in the um, in the economies of the game of you know, time currencies, dollar currencies. And so it, it does, I think, make sense to offer people that trade-off. And, you know, if it keeps the game being funded and going forward, that's not a bad thing. Well, that wraps up episode 417 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, The Trek Files, and Daily Trek News, Visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. But before we go, don't forget the community questions for this week. If you could take anything from a Star Trek set, what would you take? And did you ever play the Star Trek customizable card game? Are there any old Star Trek tabletop or video games that you still play? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com, or just do a search for Roddenberry. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, everywhere. Just keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, new and old. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. 
Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, and tricks and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Brandon Parker, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, William Hardy, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the production of this weekly show, and to our community manager, Shane Hoover. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Sue, no. Engage. hear from Zachary Kinto. Ah, that's what happens when you screw up your lines. Yes. <laughs> do you want me to do that with less editorial? Uh, I don't like anything of what I just said. <laughs> I'm all nervous. Now, Dr. Doctor, whatever you know. <laughs> Hoyt. Dr. Hoyt. Dr. Dr. Just some guy Hoyt. Okay. Elijah, this isn't rocket now, science. From stern to aft, you can completely customize your starship. No, st- stern and aft are the same thing. Isn't it bow to stern? Oh, you're right. Bow to stern. Bow to stern. It's bow to stern. Yeah. Forward to aft, yeah, bow for, to stern. Yeah, forward to aft, bow to stern. From stern, from, <laughs> from end to end. <laughs> from ass to ass. <laughs> Sorry, I was Wait, looking at my it? spaceships. It's, it's, Elijah it's was stern. just talking. I was, I was hearing meat flapping. And it's I was looking at my spaceship. Bow, bow to stern to or aft. four to aft. Four to aft. Serenity now! Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.